take your copy of God's Word once more with me and turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. Numbers 6, verse 22. Hear the word of the living God. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the living God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Living God, we ask that you might bless the preaching of your word the hearing of your word. We ask your benediction by the Holy Spirit upon this brief time wherein we will look at a passage of Scripture. We pray that you might knit our hearts through this text again to the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you would help us and encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The average American citizen, the average person in the West, really knows of one kind of blessing, one kind of benediction, and that is those two words offered at the end of a sneeze. Think of it, someone sneezes and we say, bless you. The tradition behind that really is meant to say, may God bless you, which ought to cause us to consider how we flippantly throw out those words of bless you at sneezes. But the average person doesn't really know much else about these words. Occasionally in certain regions in the country, you may hear someone who offers a so-called benediction when they say, bless your heart. But they may not actually mean goodwill behind that blessing. But it is only those who know the word of God and those who have been parts of churches where benedictions are regularly offered, it's those individuals that have a little bit more knowledge about what is meant behind the words, the precious words, bless you. May God bless you. This, of course, is a benediction. That word benediction means good saying. Benedictions are all throughout the scripture. And it's not by mistake, it's by design that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the people of God often received words of benediction, particularly at times of worship. Here at our church, morning and evening, there is a benediction. You've heard me say this, but growing up in the churches that I grew up in, typically the benediction was the pastor calling on someone at the end of the service, to offer a prayer. And there's nothing wrong with offering a prayer at the end of a service, but really, a benediction is more, literally, God's words of blessing coming to the people. And think about how we design our worship services here at Grace. 
Who speaks first? Well, humanly speaking, it's the person standing behind the microphone. But whose words are first? Well, God's words calling us into worship. We respond, don't we, by praying and singing. Then we read God's word and we respond in prayer. Then one of the elders or other brothers of the church will offer an assurance of pardon, God's response to those who've confessed their sins in Christ. Then we respond in song, and then God speaks through the preaching of his word and through the sacrament or ordinance of the Lord's table. But then the final word of every worship service is what? The blessing of God. Oftentimes this text, the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God calls his people to worship. He feeds them. He meets with them. They respond and then he sends them out with what? Bless you. I, the living God, place my blessing and as we shall see, my name upon you. Well, what is the background of this famous blessing? It's often called the Aaronic blessing, the blessing of Aaron. What's the background? Well, by the time we get to Numbers chapter 6, the covenant people of God has already been defined. They've already been marked out, haven't they? They are the Hebrews. God came to their forefather, Abram, whose name became Abraham, and gave him particular promise. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. You remember, boys and girls, that God creates the world. We sin. Cain and Abel have a difficult trial where Cain kills Abel. Seth is born. And then there's a period of time where humanity gets worse and worse and worse. There is a flood and then a promise of God not to destroy the world so that the promised one could come. And then God takes Abram out of the Middle Eastern desert and gives him a promise. And we read of it in Genesis 12. Verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And then speaking ultimately of Abraham's seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, we read these final words of verse 3. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. From the beginning of God's covenant work, there is this promise of blessing. And so this people move throughout a series of patriarchs or fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob moves us ultimately to the story of Joseph, but it's really Judah through whom this blessing will continue. The people of God are eventually led by Moses out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, now given a place to meet with God, to know his blessing as they sacrifice, as they gather in ritual worship, 
as they consider laws of being clean and pure before him, keeping separate from the nations of the world so that the promised one might come and the blessing would come. We read then, by the time we get to number six, that the priests that God has ordained to be among the people are to regularly say words of what? Blessing upon the old covenant people. One particular commentator has helpfully noted that if you look at the words of Numbers 6, the Lord bless you, keep you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. If you were to flip over a few books to the book of Psalms and get to that section of Psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, The repeated theme throughout the Psalms of Ascent, those Psalms where the people of God would go up to Jerusalem for worship and they would say, they would recite these particular Psalms. Those are the Psalms of Ascent. What are the themes behind the Psalms of Ascent? Regularly, blessing. Psalm 128.5. Psalm 133.3. Psalm 134.3. God keeping you, Psalm 121. Being gracious to you, Psalm 123 and Psalm 130. And God giving you his peace, Psalm 122, 125, 128, 133. It's as if God has designed his worship, even in the worship of the people of God, going up to Jerusalem of old in such a way that they're regularly reminded that it is God who blesses us, God who keeps us, God who will be gracious to us and give us shalom or peace. So that's the background. From Abraham and the promise of blessing through the priests in Moses' day in number 6, through the ceremonial journeys to Jerusalem, a journey that the Lord Jesus Christ would take shortly before going to the cross. It's a journey where the people of God regularly recite what? God will bless us. In his word, he said he will bless us. That's the background. But what did this look like? What are some of the details? Well, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, we see that it is the priest... The person in the Old Covenant ordained by God who will offer this blessing. He will stand as the one who says, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, gracious to you, shalom upon you. And it's important for us to understand that the words come, divine blessings come through a human Mediator. Now make no mistake, the priests of old were just placeholders, weren't they? Priest after priest after priest, simply giving the words that God had told them to give. Will there ever be a priest who will be the final priest? Who will announce and pronounce God's covenant blessing over his people? Well, this priest would offer this word of blessing. You can read of the ceremony surrounding this, but turn over just a few pages to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 22, we also see one particular posture. This is still the time of Aaron. 
Notice what happens in Leviticus 9, verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burn offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out, and what did they do? They blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. You see, there was a posture of offering blessing. The priest, signified by Aaron and his line, would offer a blessing to the people with hands raised. It was as if to say, this blessing comes to you from Almighty God. This blessing comes to you as we, quite literally, will have blood on our hands. Well, that's the background. Blessing runs throughout the Bible. And those are some of the details. A mediator or priest with hands raised offering words of blessing from God. But what about the particular content of our passage? The most famous blessing, perhaps, in all of the Bible. Well, let's look at it. Firstly, I want you to see something. Before we look at the words of blessing, don't miss the final verse of Numbers chapter 6. Notice what it says. So they shall put, some translations might render it, invoke, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. We should just linger here for a few moments, and we don't have time to do it this evening. But so often we hear of this blessing. And we stop in verse 26. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. But what does the word of God say next? That this blessing is really attached to what? The name of God. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Notice the connection to blessing and God's name. However, surely, this idea of benediction, particularly and God's name being put on people, is an old covenant thing. Surely there is no instance in the New Testament where we see believers, Jew and Gentile alike, having God's name placed on them. Well, of course, we know that there is, don't we? Turn to the very last page of your Bibles, Revelation 22. Revelation 22. All of the blessings of the Bible find their final end, their goal, their terminus, if you will, In Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, John receiving a vision of what is to come one day, still for us in the future, boys and girls, a picture of the new heaven and the new earth. There we read in verse 3 of Revelation 22, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God And of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and what? And his name shall be on their foreheads. You see, the theme throughout all of the Bible is God blessing his people. 
as blood is spilt, that they might come near and receive the promise that God is satisfied to call them his people and to have his name on them. Now, brothers and sisters, think about the absolutely staggering reality of this. The living God, the triune God, the one who spoke all things into existence is pleased for you to bear his name. Of course, we're told in the third commandment, aren't we, that one of the things that deeply separates us as sinners from the living God is that we do what with his name? We take it in vain. We don't reverence it. We don't revere it. But our Lord and Savior came and bled for us that all of us who've broken the third commandment and who've trampled the name of the living God, who've taken the Lord's name in vain, now are clothed in the righteous robes of Christ who perfectly honored the name that we throughout all of eternity will have what placed on our foreheads symbolically, the very name of God. So when God tells Moses, hey, tell Aaron to bless the people. Tell him to lift his hands up at times of sacrifice and worship, particularly at the end of those times. And as he lifts his hands up, tell him to bless, to promise blessing and grace and peace upon my people. And when he does, remind him that that is him putting or invoking my name upon my covenant people. Well, that's just the final verse. What about the blessing itself? Well, some scholars have noted that the blessing lists Yahweh or the Lord three times. Some see a connection here potentially to the fact that our God is triune. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. This text itself doesn't say that. But there's a three-fold blessing or benediction here. And it begins, as you often have heard, the Lord bless you and keep you. Some see this as a summary of what follows. In other words, verse 24 is the summary. The Lord is blessing you and keeping you. Now, he does this by verses 25 and 26. However, others see this in the following way that each of these three verses contains a summary statement and then a phrase that follows that shows you how he will do that summary statement. For instance, a commentator by the name of Osborne makes this argument, and he is not alone. He says, the Lord bless you. How is he going to bless you? He's going to keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. What does that mean? You are going to know his grace and favor. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. What does that mean? Well, it means that you, as we will see, will have peace and right relationship with him. The Lord bless you and keep you. Well, let's look at some of these words. Firstly, then, in verse 24, I think we see the blessing of preservation. The blessing of preservation. That word keep is seen in the Old Testament in various contexts. Genesis 28, 15. 1 Samuel 30, verse 23. 
Psalm 91 verse 11. Regularly throughout the Old Testament, the promise of God keeping his people in various ways is seen. Here, that blessing is listed. The Lord bless you and keep you, preserve you. But then, in verse 25, what do we see? The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And if commentators are right who argue that the word picture of God making his face to shine upon you is described as then God being gracious to you, then this part of the blessing is the promise that God will have favor on you. He'll preserve you, verse 24, but he'll show you his favor. What about verse 26? The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This one is particularly interesting. Boys and girls, God is everywhere. God is a spirit and does not have a body like men or women. But many times in the Old Testament, in order to help us understand something about God, God will inspire men to write words about him that use Body kinds of terms. God's face or God's hands or God's eyes. Adults, we call this human speak. Anthropomorphic language, if you want. God being described in ways that we can understand. Now the the blessing says that the Lord will lift his countenance upon you. Is there an opposite to this? Well, all throughout the Old Testament, how is God described when he is angry at sin? When people are not at peace with him? Interestingly enough, he's described as doing what with his face? Hiding his face. Deuteronomy 31, 17 and 18. Psalm 30, verse 8. So could it be, and yes, I think so, that when this word of blessing, the third word of this threefold blessing says, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom, that what is being spoken here is the promise that God will not hide his face from you. That he will not be at enmity with you, but he will be at peace with you. And the word shalom, by the way, doesn't just mean peace in terms of the absence of conflict. It means wholeness of life, health, well-being. Whereas in the Old Testament, God hides his face from sinners who are in rebellion against him. The Aaronic blessing, wherein God puts his name on the children of Israel, includes within it the words, May the Lord do what with his face? Lift up his face, his countenance upon you. And give you peace. This blessing, wherein the priests following in Aaron's line will put God's name upon his people, comes with the promise of preservation, favor, and relationship. But of course, this is all old covenant language, isn't it? Of course. This promise of blessing does come within the context of a nation state, uh, a kingdom ultimately, where there are priests and kings and prophets, laws. 
There is the hope of something to come, but this, this blessing is really contained, isn't it? The full blessing of Abraham has not come to the nations. So we, by the time we read number six, ought to say, well, it's good God put his name upon the Hebrews and offered them promises of preservation and favor and relationship. But will there ever be a mediator who is human like us? Who is a priest that provides God's blessing? Who will offer sacrifice and then provide the name of God to each of us who come to God in proper worship, wherein we receive the promise for all time that there is preservation, there is favor, and there is relationship abounding with the living God? I mean, this kind of sacrifice happened year in and year out. When will the final blood be spilt? When will it be that the priest can say, for all time, forever, God bless you? And keep you. And be gracious to you. And give you peace. Boys and girls, this is exactly what Jesus does for every single person who is in him. You see, week in and week out in our liturgy, which we don't need to be afraid of that word as Baptists. It just means order. <laughs> every church has a liturgy. Some are just more disordered than others. In our liturgy, there's a reason why there is a benediction at the end. Because all throughout the pages of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament alike, God's people are called to worship at His feet, to commune with Him, to speak to Him as He speaks to them through His messengers, to sit at His table. Can you imagine the blessed promise of Psalm 23? Have you ever thought about it? The Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He's done just that in Christ. But at the end of all of this worship, of all of this praise, of all of this sacrifice, there's the promise of blessing. So we read at the end of many of the New Testament letters, benedictions, don't we? We read one this morning from Hebrews chapter 13, over and over. The book of Romans, Jude, 2 Corinthians 13. Think about how many times in the New Testament the book ends with what? Grace and peace to you. Blessings be upon you. This is what God is going to do for you. Sometimes benedictions show up in the middle of books of the New Testament. Think about the benediction of Romans 6.14. Remember Romans 6.14? And that grand discussion of sin and union with Christ, Paul breaks forward with what to many of us upon the first read sounds like a command, but it's not a command. <laughs> Romans 6.14 says something like this, sin will not have dominion over you. Now yes, there are other parts of Romans where we're commanded to avoid sin. But there in the middle of Romans 6.14, the benediction of God comes. Hey, you are in Christ one of the blessings of God keeping you is what? Of God preserving you is what? Of God giving you shalom is what? Sin will not reign over you forever. So what are we to make of all this? Well, firstly, let me say it is appropriate for us to use Old Testament Scripture 
in our own worship services. Some would say, well, that was for them. What about for us? (laughs) This is your story. The people of old leading us to Christ, that's your story. The blessing of Numbers, chapter 6, 24 through 26, finds its fullest expression where? In Christ. And what is salvation described as in 2 Corinthians? The very face of Christ coming upon you. Well, what lessons do we learn then as we think about benedictions? The first is this. God's promised blessing throughout the scriptures is yours in Christ. You see, the priests in the Old Testament put God's name upon the children of Israel. They offered blessing year in and year out, and then Christ comes and he is the ultimate fulfillment of all the promise of blessing. So when you hear these words, the Lord bless you and keep you, you're hearing them as one who has the full and complete revelation of God. The Messiah has come. The blessing of Abraham has come. The promises of old have been fulfilled. And when you hear that, you can say, in Christ, God is blessing me and keeping me. He is being gracious to me. And he is lifting up his countenance upon me. God's promised blessing throughout the scriptures is yours in Christ. But secondly... Because the New Testament not only affirms but strengthens the words of Numbers 6.24, the Lord bless you and keep you. You can read of this blessing through the pen of Paul. Romans 8. There is therefore now what? Nothing. Nothing that will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. You are being what? Kept unto the day. God keeps you, Christian, until the end. And every Lord's Day, when you hear me or another brother stand in this pulpit, yes, with hands raised. You're in a room with people, some with hands raised. That was the posture of receiving the benediction. And you hear these words, the Lord bless you and keep you. Don't think, ah, I'm at home among my people. We're doing a benediction. (laughs) I do grow weary of worship services without a benediction, by the way. But don't think, ah, this is our tradition. We read benedictions. No, think to yourself. This is God, through his word, in Christ, saying something that is true about me based on his word. He will keep me to the end. God keeps you to the end. But thirdly, God's gaze at you is no longer one of wrath. Now this blessing sometimes would have been said very, very much connected to the sacrifices, blood being offered ceremonially, and then the promise of blessing. I don't want to make too much of the literature, but can you imagine the priests raising their hands? If they've been at a time when sacrifice would have been made, what would have been under the fingernails of those priests? What perhaps would have been staining their hands? The blood of the sacrifice. And now each of us come every Lord's Day and what? We don't have the blood of animals under our fingernails. We have the blood of Christ covering our hearts. And we receive what? God's promised blessing to do what? Keep us to the end. And 
that his gaze upon us may not be one of wrath anymore. Christian, your performance this past week has not changed your standing before God. There is undoubtedly in every one of our lives at least one, if not many, unconfessed sins right now. It is beyond our ability to be able to confess and repent in our minds of every single sin we've ever committed. Of course, we brought them all to King Jesus. He's washed us in his blood. But have you ever thought about the fact that at the same time that we receive the benediction of God, we are still wrestling with sin? Some of us receive this benediction only on those weeks where we feel like we've done quite well. This has been a good week for me. I read my Bible, I prayed, I came to church. I'm even at church twice. (laughs) Yes, I can receive the benediction now because it is true. I've demonstrated that it's true. Yes, the Lord's blessing is upon me. I, I, I feel as though I can receive that. But brothers and sisters, the benediction of God always comes upon the covenant people through the blood of a sacrifice. So there will be days where you will hear these words at the end of a worship service. Having communed at his table, hearing his word, confessing your sins. The Lord... Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the unbelief in our hearts cannot, cannot fully press through to the reality that what is being said here is the opposite of the Lord hiding his face. Now, our confession helpfully describes the season of life sometimes where it seems as though God is hiding his face from believers. We're under a period of chastisement. But insofar as we've come to the living God in repentance, we're looking and resting day by day in Christ. We can read Numbers 6, 24 through 26. And as they find, those words find their ultimate fulfillment in Christ, we can say, the Lord's countenance is lifted upon me. God's gaze at you is no longer one of wrath. Lastly, brothers and sisters, those last four words, and give you peace or and give you shalom. God has granted you complete wholeness, peace, and healing in Christ. Listen, if you're here and you don't know Christ and you don't know this blessing, all that abides on you is wrath and curse. But God comes near to you even now in the preaching of His Word and says to you that as long as you have life and breath, the benediction, the blessing of God is offered to you. Christ Himself is offered to you even now where you are. There is no past sin. There is no lack in your life. There is no failure that disqualifies you from coming to Christ and thus receiving the blessings of God. Complete wholeness, peace, and healing. Christ offers, John 6, 37. 
anyone who comes to me. The Savior of the world. I will not turn away. Brothers and sisters, I would suggest to us that we ought to do more when we hear the words of benedictions, as we read them in Scripture and as we hear them in the liturgy of our service. Just as we hear the call to worship and we say to ourselves, my God is calling me to worship at his feet. He's provided the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice that I can come into his temple. Christ, my Savior, offered up himself, bleeding for me. I come in, I worship. He seats me at his table. He feeds me here and through his words. He speaks to me. He tells me things through the mouth of the preacher. And then he sends me out with the promise of blessing and the benediction. One other note as we close. It's interesting, if you continue to read in Numbers, later in the book, the Israelites cross paths with the Moabites people of Moab will be very, very important throughout the pages of the Old Testament, particularly in the genealogy of our Savior. But they cross paths with the Moabites and the Moabite king, Balak. He wants them to be cursed. But this is, this is God's people that he's pronounced what over? Blessing in number six. So if you read Numbers 22, 23, 24... You see this story where Balak wants them to be cursed and so he kind of pays a prophet, as it were, Balaam, to curse them. However, Balaam can't curse them. He ends up blessing them four times. This is in the book of Numbers with the most famous blessing in the Bible. This is confirmation of God's promised benediction. But I want to take you to that fourth blessing of Balaam as we close. God has promised to bless and to keep and show his favor upon them. This pagan king wants this people cursed. And one time, two times, three times, four times, it doesn't happen. But it's almost as if blessing has to be uttered. And some of the final words of that fourth blessing or benediction of Balaam, read this way in Numbers 24, 19. Out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Who would come out of Jacob? and bring everlasting dominion upon this covenant people of God and through them and their seed all the nations of the world. Who would come out of Jacob but Christ who would indeed bring the blessings promised to this people in Numbers 6. Brothers and sisters, mornings and evenings here in this place, I would invite you, I would encourage you, perhaps I'll use this word, I would exhort you. When you hear the words of benediction offered from Holy Scripture 
and you receive them as one who has the blood of Christ covering you and your trespasses. You have some of the most precious words of the entire week. This isn't the citizenry of your city, your workplace, your town saying, ah, bless you when you sneeze. Ah, bless you. Hope things go well. This is the triune God of heaven saying upon you, my name is on you. I will bless you and keep you. I will make my face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. More gracious than you can imagine. My son will pour out his blood for you. And I will lift up my countenance upon you. And you will know peace. You walk out and you say to yourself, The Lord, the Lord, He has offered me blessing. May we love and cherish the benedictions of our God. Let's pray. Living God, help us to see the thread of promised blessing throughout the pages of Scripture all the way to the final page where our names fall by the wayside and it is your name that is imprinted, as it were, on our foreheads. Priests and kings unto you forever under the smile found over us in Christ. Lord, help us, we pray. Until that day, to love the words of blessing you put upon us through your scriptures. In Christ, in Jesus' name, amen.